on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. So you're listening to the girls around town here on Radio Newark with me, June Rollins, this morning, and I'm now joined by my two guests, Christina Phillips Kelly and Molly Frost. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. morning. Lovely to see you. Now, anybody who listens to the show regularly will know that Christina has been with us twice before i think if i remember rightly the most recent one was back in october of last year and um she told us about an event that was coming she's here to tell us about another event um in a little while but first of all for those of you that don't know christina or that perhaps haven't heard either of her two previous interviews then christina just tell people a little bit about yourself please okay june so i am not from Newark originally. I'm from Cambridgeshire. Moved we'll forgive New- you for that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Moved to Newark um, about four years ago and started up my own studio, which is called the Studio Airum. And I am a qualified ballet teacher with the Royal Academy. I trained as a professional dancer um, back in the 80s um, and late 90s. And since then, I have been teaching um, the Royal Academy syllabus to children and adults for. Um, well over 20 years now Um, the studio was opened only last April Uh, before that um, I didn't have my own studio I had to find premises and and teach um, like most people do but I'm really fortunate now to have my own studio uh, which is attached to the side of my house and now I teach 14 plus I've stopped teaching um, younger children and now just concentrate on girls and boys who want to do it professionally so it's kind of a bit a bit like a finishing school as well as um, people who want to come and do it just because they love ballet yeah. and, and, and want to don't want to go to the gym <laughs> <laughs> and, and is it purely ballet or do you do other dance type? i teach tap mm-hmm. um tap is purely for fun i don't do syllabus work and i don't do exam work um there are plenty of other schools that do offer that um so i have a beginner's tap class and that is for 14 plus but actually it's filled with um older ladies who just loved to tap dance um i got a bit of an influx when 42nd street started in the west end had quite a lot of people Mm -hmm. contact me and felt that they wanted to start tap dancing Um, and i do an intermediate class as well and that's a little bit faster and a little bit more complicated and the girls in that class are a little bit younger but still sort of mid-20s and um they're the two main uh things that i teach mm-hmm. ballet and and tap and i know that at least uh, one of you i know what at least one of your pupils because i believe you've taught effie sugden i do yes, know, yes effie i do is a friend yes. of mine yes yeah is she yeah <laughs> effie is a tapper very mm-hmm. very good tapper actually when she came to me she was uh, a beginner and she she started in my classes when the studio opened last year and now she's up into the intermediate class because she's come such a long way and I'll tell you a little bit more about Effie um, later on in the show. Oh, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, uh, just briefly before we move over to Molly, um, when you were here last time, you were talking about um, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, I couldn't think of the name of the ballet, that you were putting on at the... That was at the Robin Hood. At the Robin Hood, because, of course, yeah. being an heiress, you're very right close next to Robin door. Hood, aren't you? Yeah. Um, how did that one go? It was absolutely amazing. It was a sellout. It was only one performance um, and it holds 157 people. And we were concerned that we wouldn't get enough people to 
come and watch the show because it was a ballet and we were worried that some people would say you know it's not my thing it's ballet i don't really like that sort of thing but actually we sold all the tickets um it was an absolute um it was a brilliant day and we raised nearly 1400 pounds for beaumont house fantastic so at that time i know that molly had left the country she had she was over in borneo and we did actually give her a shout out at the time because we, we i i played back a little bit of the podcast from from that interview the other day and we mentioned the fact that uh, there was a seven hour time difference but that molly was listening we she knew was. that for a fact um so molly thank you very much for joining us i know that you're on a flying visit home and a fairly last minute decision so it's great to see you tell us a little bit about yourself we'll talk about borneo in in a lot of detail in a while but first of all just tell us a bit about you in general okay uh so i'm also not from newark um <laughs> so christine is my mum um and i yeah i i moved to liverpool um in 2013 to start my degree um, so i did my undergraduate degree in wildlife conservation and then i did my master's degree straight afterwards um in wildlife conservation and uav technology now um, i saw that on your facebook page what <laughs> is uav technology please uav technology is drones um so you're using drones as a conservation tool um so yeah i did a little bit of field work out in tanzania where i was surveying chimpanzee nests um and i wanted to see whether using a drone would be more efficient um be a more efficient surveying method than having people on the ground walking through the forest on transect lines and looking up for chimpanzee nests so so all this fuss about drones and, and and the bad things that people do with them there is a there is an upside as well there is yeah definitely Cons- um drones are being used in conservation quite quite a bit more now um so yeah one of my lecturers at university um he sort of founded this conservation drone organization um and they use you know they they use um drones to survey orangutans that is also one of the main uses for it um certainly in his field anyway is to look for chim- uh, look for orangutan nests um so i wanted to replicate that study with chimpanzees um it's a little bit more difficult with chimpanzees because they build their nests further down in the trees so actually my data came back that it wasn't as uh, efficient in during the rainy season in tanzania <laughs> so when you were sort of in your latter days at school what was it that got you so into conservation and wildlife and all that sort of thing what made you go for that as a degree and and how young were you when you made that we were talking earlier i i also did my degree at liverpool and i had decided from the age of 11 my first year at um, grammar school that i was going to do my degree in french not necessarily liverpool at that point but that's how it came so i'd made up my mind fairly early this is what i want to do when did you sort of when did that light bulb moment happen for you i'm going to do a degree in conservation in wildlife and this is the area i want to be involved in. i think before yeah. before she answers that june you need to ask her who elvis is <laughs> elvis. <laughs> elvis is um a stuffed monkey that i have a toy right. monkey um and i i'd been interested in primates in um you know monkeys and great apes and things like that from a very young age from about well about two years old wasn't it yeah. when um 
this monkey literally has been everywhere. Yeah. It has travelled more than me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so I'd always been interested in wildlife from a very, Excuse very me. young age. Um, but with the, with the degree that I did... A, what I found is nobody tells you in school that you can be a wildlife conservationist. Nobody tells you that that is a job, that is a career. You can go out and, you know, you mm-hmm. can... I, you know, I wanted to be, like, an explorer when I was a, a child. But Dora like, the yeah, Explorer, yeah. I didn't think that that was a real job, um, when actually it kind of is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of um, the work that I do is, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in field conservation and going out and, and working in the field. But actually, yeah, I finished my... Um, finished my studies at school and still had no idea what I wanted to do at university because I didn't know that wildlife conservation was a course that I could take. Um, I thought maybe I'd need to do geography or biology or something like that. Um, So I took a year out um, whilst I was deciding after my A-levels and was looking for degrees and just came across wildlife conservation uh, in Liverpool and was like, oh, that's what I want to there do. It is. That one, yes. yeah, I found it. Um, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't. It definitely wasn't um, a straightforward process mm. in in mm. finding it. Um, but I was really once I had found that course, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Brilliant, fantastic. Right, we're going to have a bit more music, and then we will talk in more detail about the event that Christina is bringing to Newark. In it's in August, August. is it? Yes, uh, the event that Christina is bringing. In to Newark in August and then we'll talk about Molly's adventures in Borneo with the orangutans um, as we go through the rest of the show. Now we've met the pair of them briefly already and found out a little bit about their backgrounds. We're going to get down to the nishigrishi now. Uh, First of all with Christina and then with Molly. So with Christina we're talking ballet and we're talking events. Now before we get on to the the main one, just briefly, the the one that you did last year, you've got another similar type thing coming up, uh, fundraising. Just tell us briefly about that one. This year we're doing Swan Lake. Uh, last year we did um, Sleeping Beauty. So this year, Swan Lake uh, is a different premises now. We There are 13 members of the Corps de Ballet this year. So last year I had six, and this year I've got 13. Um, if people know the um, Robin Hood Theatre, they will know that it isn't really a dancer's stage anyway. It's more for dramas and, and um, plays and things like that. I literally wouldn't get my Corps de Ballet on the stage mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So this year it's going to be at Tuxford Academy, They've said that we can um, hire their premises. Their stage is huge. Um, and that will be uh, November the 23rd and 24th. This year we're doing two performances. Last year we did one. And as much as last year was a sellout and did very well, the girls had worked so hard that just one performance and then that was it, it was over. I just felt this year the girls really ought to do maybe two performances because they work so hard all year round. Uh, so we're going to do one matinee on the Saturday and one matinee on the Sunday and hope that we can get enough um, of an audience to fill both of those performances. Audience-wise, is it a, a bigger venue much as bigger, well? Yeah, 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 much bigger venue. I'm not 100% sure at this time how much um, it holds, but like I say, the Robin Hood was 157. Uh, this, I know, will be uh, way more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be nice for the girls. I mean, I used to perform myself and I know what it's like and how demoralising it is to go on stage and there's like three or four faces in, in the audience sure. and you just think, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> why have I bothered? Um, and it just lifts everybody when you go on and you've got a full house and, you know, the, the atmosphere yes, that creates. Yeah, the so really, 
um, it would be nice if people could come to to both performances or at least tell their friends and you've got two dates that you can now choose mm-hmm. from so if you were busy on the saturday then you could come on the sunday mm-hmm. um and like i say this year last year was breast uh, for beaumont health this, this year is for breast cancer so we're raising money for them and hopefully people will dig deep into their pockets again this year for for that fantastic now we're going to play another little bit of music in a moment just before we do very mm. briefly tell us what's happening in august Apart from the fact that everybody's going, everybody's thinking about holidays and sunshine. I know as well. I know, (laughs) and I hope that people aren't going to be on holiday on August the tenth because it's it really is just such an opportunity um, for the local people of Newark, um, the local dancers, should I say more specifically? Uh, There is a a professional ballerina called Tala. She's Tala Lee Turton, if anybody wants to Google her. And she is coming to Newark to do a masterclass on August the 10th, which is a Saturday. It's being held at the Magnus School um, in their dance studio there. And it's for three and a half hours. And she will be teaching La Bayadere, which is a famous ballet. Uh, She will be teaching the repertoire of that particular ballet. And it's just too good an opportunity to miss the girls who 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 dance locally who are interested in ballet and probably have been attending a ballet school for many years they literally will never get this opportunity again to dance with a professional ballerina and the fact that she's given up her time to come to newark it just seems like an opportunity that that if you don't take it you you, like i say you just will never get this again it sounds absolutely fantastic in fact it sounds magic i'm going and and that is what that is the name of the next song to be um very appropriate it's called 24k magic um and we are going to be hearing in after after we've heard this one we, we will hear a bit more detail from christina about this masterclass and we'll also hear a bit more about tala as well she's got some information to tell us Bruno Mars there and 24 Karat Karat Magic. You're listening to the Girls Around Town here on Radio New York with me, June Rollins, and my two guests for today. We have just over half an hour to continue talking to Christina and Molly about various different things. We're going to start that time by getting a bit more information from Christina about this masterclass and in particular about Tala. Tala is her name? Yes, Tala, Tala Lee Turton, the ballerina who is going to be leading it. Over to you, Christina. So the masterclass is the 10th of August and it starts at 10 o'clock and it's for three and a half hours and that's going to be taking place at the Magnus School in the um, dance studio there. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of background about Tala. I know that I keep going on about how excited I am. (laughs) But I really, you know, I, I started dancing when I was nine. I went all the way through and trained professionally and in all of those years of training i never ever once got the opportunity to um have a master class with anybody you know that was remotely famous or you know sort of high up in their field and i would have jumped at the chance if i had have done it wasn't until i was actually a, an adult that i got to dance with wayne sleep much later on in my life you and um, princess diana not not at the same time no not at the same know. time no <laughs> <laughs> but uh so for all of you um budding ballerinas out there i'll just tell you a little bit tala lee turton she was um 
in 2016 she made history as being the only third british female to graduate from the world famous bolshoi ballet academy so anybody that really knows anything about ballet will know that the bolshoi are you know phenomenal and i, I don't think you need really to know that much do you i mean that it, it is it, everybody knows yeah. the name don't they? yeah i yeah. think you, you if you ask people about you know what do you know about ballet you know sort of throw some names out you'd either say the bolshoi or you say the royal ballet mm. i think mm. they're kind of the two that people tend to know so the fact that she was only the third british female ever to graduate from the bolshoi ballet um and i think the reason why that is so incredible is because she was actually born and raised in barnsley <laughs> so you know she she danced at the age of four you know just like a regular girl mum took her along for some ballet lessons and it wasn't until she was about 11 the teacher that she was seeing at that time spotted that tala had this gift and it was at, at that age at 11 that she won the scholarship and and off she went and actually it wasn't until she got there and started to train that they said you will never make it as a ballerina <laughs> And, you know, that just made her even more determined. Yes, and she, yeah. mm. she just wouldn't, she wouldn't give in. And, and from then on, she went on and, and found um, other teachers who believed in her um, at the, Br uh, sorry, the Bristol Russian Ballet School. And it was there that she auditioned for the Bolshoi. Now she's actually back home and she's working with the English National Ballet. Um, so she's back on um, English soil again and i'm sure she's had a blast where she's been but i know that she's happy to be home and i'm sure mum is as well <laughs> to have her back in the country so that's just a little bit about uh, about tala and um you know what an honor to be able to have her to come and take this class and to learn from one of the greatest you know the the experience that she will bring the questions that you can ask that I can't answer those. I never went on to to um, work in in a um, in that field, mm -hmm. um, and it would just be such a, a wonderful experience for those young girls and boys. You know, this mm -hmm. isn't just for girls. Mm -hmm. it, I always say this, whatever I'm doing. I mean, this year when I said we're doing Swan Lake, which we are, I've got three boys in it this year. I've had to steal them from a professional school, but this is open to boys as well la bayadia the the ballet that she will be teaching obviously has boys in it it's a it's a love story um and you know there are guys that are out there and are dancing and i don't think that it is um it, it's not something that is well known and it's not something that people push for boys to do and it's just got such a stigma attached to it and it's such a shame because these guys are athletes you know they they have to be mm -hmm. uh, you know and i would say to any guy you know pick up pick up a female that's about seven stone put her above your head um, while she's wriggling around uh, and now start trying to, to move around <laughs> yourself and see how well you do um and this this masterclass is open to both boys and girls the only thing that i will say is that you have got to be um of, of a certain 
um, level. Le- yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't have young children coming because they won't be able to cope with it. No. So I would say to those of you out there who do ballet, understand ballet, understand what I'm about to say to you, you would really want to be at least at a grade five level in ballet. You don't have to wear point shoes. I've already spoken to Tala. Nobody will be on point unless, of course, you happen to be very proficient on point and you feel comfortable then please do bring those point shoes along but you don't have to bring them um all of it can be done just in your flat soft ballet shoes um so that's the event that's when it is 10th of august and if you want to book your ticket which again i haven't told you yet there are only 20 spaces yes um so it is limited space um so you need to get in fast get your name down and you can go either to the studio Aram on facebook and you'll find the flyer there um or you can contact me directly um on facebook um through through my facebook page brilliant fantastic right you said um when you were talking then about tala's mum being glad to have Mm. her back in the country yes and i think your eyes flicked slightly to your whatever (laughs) it is right at the time because i can imagine that you kind of went through similar sort of feel uh, well I, in fact mm. i know you did because i saw your facebook post um i can't remember exactly when it was but you were really excited you were heading off to heathrow or gatwick yeah. airport or somewhere to, to pick to somebody up yeah yes. <laughs> yeah so, so i i i i am well it, it's very obvious that you empathize with tala's mum yeah in terms of having Definitely. molly back I, I mean i'm sure that you feel the same way that you know she's had this amazing experience but it's nice to have her home absolutely she's never home for long enough if i'm honest june but <laughs> i at least she's in the same country at the moment she is yes, yes she is something isn't it i i would never and have never stopped molly doing what she wants to do because i don't think you can do that you you know my mum let me go off to london when i was so young and back then we didn't have technology i didn't have a mobile phone and you know i had to stand and do a reverse charge if i wanted to speak to my mum so you know she allowed me to spread my wings at such a young age and the same for molly when molly decided that that was the field that she wanted to go into i knew pretty soon on that conservation wasn't ever really going to be in this country i mean i remember when molly was looking at universities and i remember her coming home and saying to me i found the university that i want to go to and i said to her oh right brilliant you know well we know where is it and she said what was that where was that that the one in australia yeah but it had an english name <laughs> it, it was, i thought she was talking you, you about it was just up the road yeah. wasn't it? it was it was it was somewhere like birmingham or something <laughs> i don't know and i was like oh that's okay that's doable and she said yeah australia <laughs> and then all of these wild thoughts going through my head thinking well i have to move then i have to move to australia and and then when she actually found her degree in liverpool it was you know much much nearer to home but ever since she's graduated She's not really been in this country. She <laughs> pops in now and again, shows her face, has a washing done and goes home again. <laughs> right, so talking about not being in this country, how did the opportunity to go to Borneo, to this um, sanctuary, come about, Molly? Um, so I've always wanted to go to Borneo, um, throughout, definitely throughout my career as well. Um, orangutans are just one of my favourite animals. <laughs> Uh, they're a critically endangered species and I knew that I'm very interested 
in field conservation and physically going out to to that country um to do as much conservation mm-hmm. as i can um and yeah one of my lecturers at university he um works he's done all of his work um on orangutans um, so i was was thinking about it as i was um coming to the end of my studies and i thought i i really do want to go to an orangutan rehabilitation center that's where i'd like to do um a little bit of work a little bit of conservation work before i start my phd um because once i start my phd my career will really take off um so i was just starting to have a look, look around um at different rehabilitation centers if um, there was any jobs available or anything like that and then it just so happened that a job advert came up on facebook um and i was chatting to my housemate about it um who's also in conservation i said well you know this job opportunity has arisen um oh i'm not sure if i should apply for it and she just said yeah just just do it apply for it wasn't expecting to actually get the job (laughs) Um, because conservation is a very highly competitive field um you have to have you know two degrees and Mm -hmm. um a lot of field experience as well um and yeah uh, yeah i went for my interviews and i i got the position so so if, if i remember rightly you were there at least initially for three months that was the the term yes yeah Yeah. so yeah fixed term contract um which again is quite common in the field of conservation um is to have these sort of fixed term positions i did end up staying there for four months um in total and what sort of thing were you doing um so i was involved in um a lot of kind of conservation outreach so um i i've had a lot of experience in sort of um public facing roles and that's where sort of my i could bring my skill sets to that so um it was i was at the sepalock rehabilitation center um and so there was lots of visitors that would come to the center whether they're local or um tourists from around the world um and i would um chat to the tourists as sort of um they would go round into the rehabilitation centre. So we've got different stages um, of rehabilitation. Some of it that they that is not open to the public. Some of that they can't be seen because it's all behind the scenes. But then some of it is you actually are looking at wild orangutans as well, or semi-wild orangutans if they've been through the rehabilitation process. So they can go into the forest and, and see them um, all around. So I was there to talk to them about you know how they're critically endangered i would do presentations to them um let them know why rehabilitation centers are so important to their survival and a little bit about the work that they do at the center um and then if people wanted to adopt an orangutan to support the center then they could adopt an orangutan presumably um, not bring it home not them, bring it home no <laughs> it definitely needs to stay out in borneo um at that rehabilitation center um but the money that they pay to adopt the orangutan goes towards um their upkeep and making sure that they are um yeah well looked after there and then they can um eventually graduate into the forest and become semi-wild orangutans again and and were there little baby orangutans yes i thought i saw some pictures on yeah so um, you would want to bring one of those home with you wouldn't you (laughs) maybe not the big ones very sweet um so a lot of the orangutans that end up in rehabilitation centers are babies um whether they've lost their mum to um poaching again Mm, mm. unfortunately people do want to take orangutans home and Mm. the um illegal wildlife trade 
is a big problem for charismatic species like that so sometimes people might kill them kill the kill the the adults yeah Mm -hmm. kill the mothers to take the baby so that it can go through the Mm -hmm. pet trade Mm -hmm. um and then sometimes that's intercepted and then the babies end up in rehabilitation centers sometimes it could be just that um they've got separated from their mum because the baby's fallen ill and she may have abandoned it or just not been able to look after it and then again they've ended up in rehabilitation centers so that they can um have another chance at life Mm -hmm. yes as i say they they, they look so sweet on your facebook page and and you do want to give them a cuddle or bring them home with you but then it's a very easy step then in your mind to think that's not where they belong yes you know they belong somewhere where they're being looked after and um helped and then hopefully eventually back where they should be in the wild back into the wild yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um and at the centre, what they do is they will also sometimes then do relocations to... Um, they've got a particular um, national park area where they can um, re- they can relocate some of the orangutans to over there as well. So they are sort of spreading mm-hmm. those um, mm-hmm. genetics around mm-hmm. um, as well. Fantastic. Right, we have got... Um, we're going to have a bit more music now and then we will talk to Molly a little bit more about what she did after she finished, whether she came back home or whether she <laughs> decided to go for a wander round while she was um, in foreign parts. And also, she mentioned fairly casually just then that she was planning to do a PhD. <laughs> we perhaps ought to ask her about that. Yeah, the way you do, you know, just do a PhD. Brian Ferry there and let's stick together and I hope that's what we're going to do for the next... 14 and a little bit minutes I think we've got left before we finish the show and before I hand over to Dave Bradley Smith for his Sunday lunch show. So that gives us a little bit more time to talk to both Molly and Christina. Molly, so you finish up your four months period in um, Borneo. Yes. Did you come back to this country straight away or did you stay over there for a little while? Um, I did come straight back, yes. Um, so I actually st- ended up staying four months there. Um, so it was originally supposed to be three months. Um, and I was potentially going to be doing some research whilst I was out there. Um, but that it didn't come about, unfortunately. Um, however, I did um, end up planning my PhD whilst I was there. So, um, so, so, so it's in the planning stages at the moment. Still, yeah, it's yeah. in the planning stages. Um, so, yeah, I I collaborated with somebody out there, and I have now a PhD proposal, um, which I've you know I've done my proposal. I have supervisors. Um, my final stage is getting the funding for the phd which is certainly the most difficult part (laughs) (laughs) as it it is with anything yes anything you're trying to get money for so so presumably it's it's along the same lines you're still sticking to the the sort of conservation and the wildlife kind of thing yeah yeah. so um my research will be in sun bears sun bear research um that's what i planned for that's what i'm hoping to continue doing um and yes so i'm hoping that i can start that maybe maybe within the next year um if i can get the funding, the, the funding for it. And, it, and, yeah. and do, do you have a um a plan as to where you're going to do it are you going to stick to liverpool uh yes yeah <laughs> i'm gonna stay in liverpool uh very settled over there um i've got my supervisors at the university there as well um and then my research will be back out in borneo um and yes. T- yes and talking of which you are heading back out there this year later this year aren't you? i am yes um so there is a sunbear symposium that i'm going to um in september so i'm going to be um, heading back out to borneo in the end of september 
um, for about 10 days just to go over and meet with the people that I'm hopefully doing this research with, go to the symposium, um, meet some more people that research some bears and see some of my friends as well because I've of got course, friends out yes, there yes. now, um, which will be nice. It will be nice to go back and um, sort of catch up with everybody Absolutely. and hopefully uh, move this research forward a little bit. And, and a PhD takes about, about how long? About three years. About three years. Yeah. So at the end of that three years the world's your oyster presumably in terms (laughs) of um, uh, working in in that field yeah so my end goal has always been to be a lecturer at a university um because i love teaching i love lecturing um but i also love research really enjoy doing some research so being a lecturer you get the best of both sure with that you can continue Mm. to do your field research and you can pass on your knowledge to other students as well fantastic absolutely fantastic well the best of luck with um, finding that funding (laughs) for a start that's probably going to be harder than actually completing the course yeah yeah probably it's um yeah it's certainly a lot of money to try and get together so the best of luck with that and also the best of luck with the phd and also with your return trip to borneo thank you very much fantastic we will no doubt um i'm sure that christina will be back on the show to talk about other events in the not too distant future and we we will keep she will keep us posted as to what you're up to i'm sure i will Uh, do (laughs) fantastic right we're going to have one more piece of music and then christina is just going to remind us about how to get in touch for the um masterclass that's coming to newark um tala lee turton's masterclass ballet masterclass here in newark in august i think it was 10th of august yes So you are mine right now for approximately four more minutes and we are going to very quickly, they're they're laughing at me, you know, they they think my um, cheesy links are cheesy, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be just very quickly hearing from Christina Phillips-Kelly a quick reminder of this event in August. It is on August the 10th, which is Saturday, and it is being held at Magnus Dance Studio, and it is three and a half hours. It is a masterclass with Tala Lee Turton, who is a professional ballerina who is now working with the English National Ballet, and she will be teaching the Ballet La Bayadier. It's for girls and boys who are at least grade five level um, and higher, uh, point shoes are not required, but you can bring them if you want to. Um, there will be a bar class before we go into the repertoire. Places are limited. There are only 20 spaces and nine spaces have already gone to some of my girls at my studio. If you want to put your name down and you want to get in touch, there are a few ways that you can do that. You can either go to the Studio Airroom on Facebook. That's my Facebook page. And you can either send me a message or you can scroll down and there's a flyer on there which has got Tala on on the front of that. Also, you can phone Magnus, get in touch with those. They have their own Facebook page as well. And you can get in touch with those and they will give you the details and they will give you my telephone number. Other ways that you can get in touch are um, there are a few schools in Newark as the people in Newark know about. There's, There's quite a few dance schools. I have been in touch with a couple of them and was really pleased that they would collaborate with me because sometimes it can be difficult with lots of different schools so elaine varney is another 
dance teacher uh, local to Newark and Elaine Varney has posted it on her Facebook page as well so you can speak to Elaine and she can direct you to myself and also AJ's School of Dance um, I briefly worked for Amy uh, when I first moved to Newark and AJ has also kindly put it onto her Facebook page and again if you dance with AJ or you dance with Elaine and you want to come both of those schools are promoting and also they are telling their own students look this is a great opportunity to get a bit of experience in I'm only facilitating this because I happen to know Tala um, so I'm facilitating her her master class and you know setting it all up for her so it's open to boys and girls and like I say it's the 10th of August so make sure that you put it in your diary and get in quick brilliant fantastic and just one last thing um if you want to find out more about tala if you go to the girls around town website girlsaroundtownonline.com there is a post on there which is under the latest news it's called from ballet to borneo and there is a link to tala's website oh, on there thank for you, you. Jean. so we are literally out of time here i have got less than a minute to tell you that next week I will have company in the studio. Lots of company, actually. I've got Rosalind coming in with me. Uh, no, sorry, Rachel coming in with me. Let's get this right. Rachel is in with me. Then in the first hour, as I mentioned briefly before, Janice Holmes is coming in to tell us about her very exciting new project. And then in the second hour, we have Teresa Sanderson, who's going to be talking to us about something called the Laughter Locker so that's all to come next week i'm about to hand you over now to dave Brilly jones for his sunday lunch show um enjoy the rest of the day don't forget there is a market in newark there is um a maypole thingy bob tomorrow in wello lots to do have a wonderful bank holiday weekend and i will for sure see you this time next week or two hours before this time next week for the next girls around town here on radio newark thank you very much indeed for listening in and enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend we